Hello and welcome to episode 984 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 12th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. How you doing? I'm doing well. We got playoff baseball on. We're talking some uh, fantasy baseball. All's good. And we'll be seeing each other in two days. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't wait. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, hopefully see uh, a lot of the listeners uh, in uh, in FPAS in Arizona uh, for first pitch. Uh, super excited. Uh, it's my daughter's third birthday today. So as soon as we're done birthday. here, we're going to go jump at a trampoline park. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Trampoline parks are wonderful. Yeah, I, I don't know how well that's going to go for me because I'm like <laughs> old, fat, and have bad knees. But uh, I don't smoke anymore, so that should make it a little bit easier. I'd say, yeah, a little... You know, uh, you did one positive to make it a better experience for you there, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty big one with the with the not smoking. So that's good. Uh, I hope you all have a blast. We're going to talk some breakout hitters before you go do that, though. Um, quick, quick thing on on the playoffs though. Just as this news is coming in, Jorge Soler, COVID pos- positive test here, so he's going to be out. That's going to move Dansby Swanson to the top of the order. He was hitting leadoff for them, by the way. Let's give you some some more props. I, I think we did uh, a while ago, but you were so dead on about buying on him on Solaire when it looked the most bleak, when it was the hardest to buy low, the the true buy lows, not the easy ones that are there in like three or four different stats, but one where it was bleak as hell. He had a 76 OPS plus with KC, still had some power, but it was a 192, 288, 370 line for Solaire. Goes to Atlanta. Puts up a 128 OPS plus with a 269, 358, 524. A lot of numbers there. Basically just flipped his season around, though. Hit 14 homers in 55 games after those first 13 were in 94. So you were dead on with Soler. He did have it bubbling under the surface. He had been unlucky. You sold me on that episode that we talked about it. I completely 180 and said, you know what? You're dead on. Great call there. This is a big loss for Atlanta losing him to COVID right now. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, especially if he's going to be out for 10 days. Uh, if... Minimum of five, I'm just reading right now. Okay. Apparently, that's that's what it is right now. Is well, that five it's... isn't that big of a deal because, I mean, they're up 2-1 in the series, right? So if they could somehow win today. If, yeah, if they win I, today. I say somehow, or, if they win today. Yeah, if they win one of the next two days without him or two games without him, then that means he could theoretically be back for the start of the NLCS. Yes. That just yeah, feels so, like, hey, we're going to change the rules on the protocols because it's the playoffs. I was wondering, yeah, five days. I, I, I guess maybe things have changed a bit with the vaccine or something. I, I don't know. I really don't know. But they have the game today. If they if they finished it off today, Atlanta did, they'd have an off day. Well, it's a scheduled off day tomorrow, even if they lose. Then they would want Giants, Dodgers to go the distance just to make sure that, you know, that's that's going. Um, then he could have, so it would be well, it doesn't matter today, what, I mean, Wednesday, whether, whether Giants Dodgers go the distance, the, the start date to the NL, uh, that's true. Is, it's, it's so, Saturday, no matter. Yeah. It's no matter what. So, so if he fits that perfect five, you know, that five day window and everything comes back and I don't know, we don't know the severity of it for Solaire. If, if it was, uh, you know, an asymptomatic positive or what, but, uh, he would, might only miss one or two games. Yeah. So that might not be the end of the world there. He could be back by Tuesday the 19th. Um, that would be two games missed. He'd be back for game three. So we'll see. But it is a big loss because he's been great. Uh, he's been great since since joining the team. He hasn't done a ton in the playoffs. He's gotten on base three times, one hit, two walks. But just overall, he has been a positive, and I'm not going to judge off of 13 plate appearances that have 413 OPS and be like, well, they're not going to miss Solaire because of that. That's just not how it works in the playoffs. You know, you keep your stars in, and when they have that one big game, it makes up for two or three bad ones pretty easily. So, uh, like I said, they'll move Swanson to the top of the order. They should be all right. I don't think this is going to decimate them. I think the biggest concern would be if there was any sort of outbreak, obviously. Yeah, that's the big concern. It actually, I don't think it would hurt them that much at all, really, because in spite of the fact that obviously it's an offensive downgrade, it's a defensive upgrade having a True. player out there, and especially when you start moving to more spacious ballparks like San Francisco mm-hmm. or Los Angeles. Uh, maybe he would be more of a liability defensively than he is a asset offensively. So 
Do you just give Jock the start now? He's been coming off the bench doing his Jocktober so. thing. Yeah. So maybe you just yeah. Well, here's the thing too though. The the, the bad luck of the draw is that the day that they're finally going to start him is when they face a lefty, Eric Lauer. So mm-hmm. they had three righties in a row. He doesn't draw any of the starts. And I, I didn't hate keeping him on the bench for that key at bat against a righty, and it paid dividends, to be sure. But now he's going to get the start, uh, probably, I imagine. I don't know. Maybe it'll be Heredia. Maybe they won't start Peterson because it's a lefty. But uh, now they're facing a lefty. So I, I, maybe you, you go somewhere else and still keep him in jock in your back pocket for that righty at bat. Yeah, I mean, he's he's – Starting today, so he is starting because Pache joined the joined the team. Yeah, yeah, he's, he, he's uh, he is starting today and hitting sixth. Okay, okay, so we'll we'll see what he can do. Obviously, they want him to get as many at bats as he can against a righty. Eric Lauer's pretty good. That should be a good matchup. They got to hit though. They got Milwaukee has not hit well enough. They got to figure something out against Charlie Morton, or they're headed home. Yeah, I I, I think they are, and it's a bummer. I, I thought Milwaukee was the team to be really afraid of in the national yep. league. Um, but I, I don't, I think it'd be very difficult for them to pull this out. So uh, I'm rooting for them though. Cause I think it'd be more fun to see Milwaukee in the, uh, in, in the NLCS than it would be to see Atlanta. I'm, their pitching is doing its thing. Seven yeah. runs in three games is not a problem. They have two runs scored. They won the first game 2-0 and then back-to-back 3-0 losses. So if the offense doesn't step up, you've you got to put it all squarely on their shoulders there. Uh, you know, you win and lose as a unit, but when you're looking, it's going to be hard not to look at the offense and say that's what cost Milwaukee if they don't have a barrage today. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, but let's dive in to our breakout hitters, our breakout breakdown. We're going to start with a familiar one, and I know we've talked about him a lot, so we won't go too deep on on Cedric Mullins, but we have to start with him. It'd be, be crazy to gloss over him doing such a thing like this and not talk about him. So we will start with Cedric Mullins. We know the year was excellent. We know this was your your call of the year, one of the calls of the year in the fantasy call community. Call of a lifetime. It's, I, I mean, it, it was I'm, amazing. I'm never going to have a better call than this. It, yeah, um, it's a it's an un, uh, basically an undrafted player that goes 33. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you've been listening since the beginning of this year, actually really, we started talking about him at the end of 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, you, you've, you've heard the peak of what is going to be my time on the sleepers <laughs> bus. Like it's nothing wrong it, with that though. That's a, that's a hell of a peak. It, it's, it's not going to get better from here. So if you didn't like me already, you are not going to like it's me. tough. Yeah. It's, it's going to be tough draw the rest yeah. of the way. <laughs> now he hits, so big like i mean just pay off like you couldn't believe 30 30 seasons it's his peak too for for mullins Mm -hmm. uh certainly what does he do from here though age 27 a lot of the skills say that there this was not fraudulent there was a lot of believability here but you got to bake in some regression to what level and and where do you see mullins going uh you know he, he seems to be ranging late first into the second round as far as some of the very early drafts that we've seen just a couple have, have popped out there in the community but where, where what do you see from mullins in 2022 and do you remain bought in now that he's a known entity when i first started like doing my prep for for 2022 i was like oh he, he i'm gonna get out priced on on mullins um I don't know that I'm going to now. Uh, I, I've, you know, I buy a lot of what he did this year. I mean, the hard hit percentage was fantastic. Um, I, I know that like he got a little bit lucky in terms of like, uh, like you know, outperforming his XBA. But I don't know that he got extremely lucky. Like I think people are expecting him to drop down to being like a 250, 260 guy. Um, I don't think that's the case. I mean, 18% strikeout rate this year. Uh, and, and almost nine percent walk rate. Like I think he's probably like a two eighty hitter. With yeah, I can see that. I think the the one place he regresses is is probably in the power department. We're looking at a guy who's probably more of a fifteen to low twenties homer guy. Sure. With twenty five thirty stolen bases, I think he is a borderline first rounder. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, if you're putting up that kind of performance. Um, how can he i mean honestly the last number you said can drive that mm-hmm. o- almost alone there if he's hitting you know say 275 plus um with even 15 homers if it comes with 30 stolen bases 
you're really looking late first into the second round. I think that that makes sense there. I think you could reasonably expect the runs and ribbies to maybe improve too because I think Baltimore will at least start to get incrementally better offensively. Mm -hmm. I don't know that they're ready to to make a big turnaround and be like a Seattle or even a Detroit from May forward of this year. I I don't know that they're going to do that in 2022, but Mountcastle came around. Hayes came around. Mancini was great in his rebound. I'm keeping an eye on Anthony Santander if he can stay healthy. Ramon Urias was pretty intriguing with a little power surge. They're going to start to bring up some other guys as well. Adley Rutschman should at least play, I would hope, five months of next season. Mm -hmm. So maybe the runs and ribbies come up, cancel out any of the power loss in terms of overall value for Mullins and keep him in that first round range. So I, I think if you take him in the first, I don't really have a problem with that. There's nothing in this skill set that says run away completely at all or even run away slightly. I, I think you regress it normally and then uh, you buy in. Yeah, I, I think he, I think there's an argument to be made. Maybe he's like a second round pick, but that's where I've been seeing him go. I've been seeing him go. Yeah mid to late second round um, first round kind of, so deep I, I don't know that he'll necessarily go into too many first yeah. rounds so you don't have to pay that premium yeah especially if you're looking to take a pitcher in the first round like a i don't know like a garrett cole uh cedric mullen start or even a scherzer cedric mullen start like that that like feels that. really nice it really does so i think i can definitely uh definitely come through for you if that's the way you're looking to start with mullins there in the second round this guy, you know, had had a similar breakout in terms of it being power speed, a lot to like. This is Tyler O'Neill that we're talking about, but he runs a much different profile. Obviously, he kind of uh, is more power than speed, but what I mean more so by that is the underlying skills maybe make this a little bit more of an unsustainable peak with regards to the 31% strikeout rate, 7% walk rate. The 34 homers came with a 26% homer to fly ball rate. Uh, consider Mullins did that with a 16% mark, which isn't terribly egregious for a home run to fly ball rate. Now, guys can maintain quarter uh, a quarter of your fly balls leaving the yard. Like that, t- 26% is not impossible to maintain as a legit power threat, which I believe O'Neill is. But what about the rest of this profile? Is there any pause here with O'Neill, especially in relation to to Mullins? Put aside for the fact, of, of, excuse me, put aside for the moment the fact that uh, Mullins is a higher stolen base target. You know, we're probably projecting at least twenty something for him, whereas I think we're probably going to live in that I don't know twelve to seventeen range for O'Neill projections. But what do you think about his underlying core skills, the the plate profile, the homer to fly ball? Where does that put you with O'Neal in relation to Mullins? I mean, I think O'Neal's plate skills are a little bit shakier, just the lack of contact. You know, he's 77% zone contact percentage, which is, you know, a good 6-7% below league average. Swings outside of the zone 30%, over 30% of the time. He kind of – he definitely made – good contact and better content but not like for for a power hitter but not like something where i feel like ooh, like the 286 batting average like that's legit that, that is not legit that is coming down you know 366 babip i think he can run a higher babip because he just hits the ball so damn hard um but i do think he's coming down to like a 250 batting average now i think that's 250 with 30 home runs and double just steals so like I mean, I, that walk that works big time. Yeah, like I think that there are going to be people who put him on do not draft lists. I will not be one of those guys. I uh, I was not bought in on Tyler O'Neill, Tyler O'Neill like you were. I wish I had been because he's a guy I've liked in the past. Um, I just wasn't ready to believe like the the swing and miss wasn't going to you know crater his numbers. And I mean he definitely could be a guy that instead of hitting two fifty hits like two thirty. Um, but I still think it'll come with a ton of power, uh, and I think he'll steal enough bases uh, and play full-time because his defense is good, um, that uh, he'll be worth wherever he goes and drafts. Yeah, I I did like Tyrone Neal coming into the year, and i got to be honest, I, I had to be swayed on that, and i got to give big credit to my editor when I when I do the forecaster blurbs in, uh, in Brent Hershey. I had O'Neal, and kind of my first run – was was kind of negative uh just just 
all negative, really. I, I wasn't even really giving him much for the upside because you see what uh, O'Neill had done prior to this year in the majors, and you're just like, well, where am I finding the hope? This is an all-or-nothing type of guy. And he's like, you know, maybe look a bit more at the raw skills. And, you know, he's a great editor, by the way. I, I, I love writing the HQ blurbs. They make me a better writer every offseason preparing for the next year. And so, you know, doing the doing the dig in and the rewrite, I, I realized that, hey, there are flaws, namely with the contact. But the upside here, if he finds even, you know, a modicum of uh, of the hard contact that he can with that speed and power could be something real. And I mentioned that his glove could help him get playing time in, in the interim while he kind of figures everything out. And uh, you should you should keep a close eye on him with the raw power and speed. So I'm glad that Brent made me relook at Tyler O'Neill and and you know zero in on the raw skills. And I think that that's an avenue. Players like this are an avenue for fantasy players everywhere to don't forget them when they don't pan out after those first couple samples. I mean, it was three years of about 150 plate appearances. So you're talking about 450 total. That's not even a full season for Tyler O'Neill. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he was age 26 coming in, but we were judging him pretty sternly off of a relatively small sample, uh, especially when you break it down over the course of three years. So he had the huge breakout. I think uh, you can get double-digit speed, big power, plan for a bad batting average, and if he outdoes himself there and puts up another big number, you know, say 270-plus, you should feel good about that. But I would plan for like a 245, 250 just so that you're ready for it and you're not blindsided if it does come down. Are we thinking O'Neal's like a third, fourth rounder that you would be comfortable with? Or wh where do you start to get comfortable paying for him in a 15-teamer? In a I think a fourth team, a fourth rounder is about right. Okay. That, that feels like I, I want to definitely give myself a little bit of uh, a little bit of a cushion um especially with batting average. So, like, if I'm going to target a guy like O'Neal in the fourth round, I want to target a guy I feel really comfortable about his batting average, you know, floor and ceiling in, in the first, you know, round or two. Uh, to For sure. To with him. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair uh, with O'Neal. I'm trying to see where he went in the early mock that I was in. Let me get that he was a fifth rounder and that is a 15 teamer yeah. so that feels that feels good if i can get fourth fifth i'm with you i can set my foundation with average uh you know because your first couple guys should have some average upside there with, with when you're taking the offense and then i can bring o'neill on and continue again continue to draft for average after that do not take this 286 mark uh, and, and believe that that is where O'Neal will live. You will be in for a rude awakening. He may overperform again, but you have to plan for it not to. So, uh, But I do like the raw skills, and he is still just 27, so he is still in his peak. What about another guy who we've seen greatness from before, and I think I can say without – you know, trying to just brag on us that uh, we liked Sem Marcus mm -hmm. Semyon coming back this year. I would have never seen 45 and 15. <laughs> I thought uh, a a tamped down iteration of 2019 was what I was expecting. Say 26 and eight with a boatload of runs and ribbies because of that lineup. Um, and it ended up being 45 and 15 with the boatload of ribbies and runs at 102 and 115 respectively. Hit 265. He was excellent at age 30. Going into the free into the free agent market, how much of where Semyon lands uh, determines your interest in him next year? Before we get into the actual stats of it and how much you believe in his stats. Um, I definitely think that where he lands will affect his value. I don't know that it affects. Uh, it that much where I'm like like he he's not gonna drop out of the second round necessarily. For okay, me. that that was kind of my question. Um, does it move multiple any amount of rounds if he goes somewhere that's like you know a little bit more neutral or even negative for hitters? Well, I don't like where would be a negative. I mean, outside of San Francisco, but as we've seen this season, San Francisco's not even playing that bad. For, that's the thing. Like it started like, last year, and it kind of carried. I don't think there's any place where he could sign. What that if is Miami be... went crazy and and wanted him alongside Chisholm? Oh, well, that would be really interesting. Uh, well, except well, for what, yeah. what if that was their big foundation? I mean, Miguel Rojas 
when, when's, when's he up? I know he's a he's a big clubhouse favorite, so I don't think that they would jettison Rojas necessarily. But is he he has a team option for this year at five and a half? Uh, they'll probably pick that up. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's, that's his fair. spot. Um, I mean, I was just trying to come up with somewhere that is not offensive friendly. Yeah, by the way, the options Detroit. Yeah, I mean, what if what if the, yeah, what if the Tigers go, go Detroit for him? goes? Hey, this is our piece to pair with all the yeah, you because know, by all accounts, Mark Simeon's a great clubhouse guy. Like he's yeah. like what, super what if, well liked. And Perea um, says no, or he's eight years, you know, too much or whatever, and they say no, but they'll do a three-year the deal with Simeon. Mets could be an interesting spot too. So there's some spots where it's more neutral. Basically, I guess does Toronto if he if he somehow sticks with Toronto and I know there's a lot of talk that they don't think that they'll really go for him and I understand that by the way from their standpoint they don't really like they don't necessarily need him that money would probably they, be better they, spent yeah, they need in the, the money pitching. to spend in pitching so it may, then, makes sense I mean this is the most amount of home runs ever hit by a second baseman I believe right yeah you beat David Johnson um and like I just sorted by like since 1986 was like the 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 cutoff I sorted and it's like, like I'm looking at some of these like years that he just blew the roof off of um, like this this to me is like the best like you know it's crazy output since like uh, Alfonso Soriano's 30 30 year oh yeah because I think when he did the 40 40 he was outfield only. Mm-hmm. Um, the craziest thing about the Davy Johnson situation, when he hit 43 uh, back in 1973, he was also 30. Uh, same as Semi. I think that's just kind of weird that the, that the two guys set in the second base home run total both did it at age 30. He came back to earth in a big way the following year. He went from a 143 OPS plus to a 107. I'm not comping them directly. I have no idea how their skills match. And unlike Davy Johnson, we've seen a peak at least on a par with with this from Semyon before, mm-hmm. namely in that 2019 season. So where do you put his stats? What, what, what kind of power output, power speed output are we getting from Semyon in 2022 in a non-Toronto world? Let's just say that they don't go up for him and he goes somewhere else. So it, it anywhere else is at least uh, a slight downgrade because that is the best lineup in baseball, I believe. I'm gonna say he's like a 30-15 guy. Okay, so or like he goes a 30, yeah, 30, 30, 15, 30, 12, something like that. Maybe even 35, 12. Um, so basically, 2019. Yeah, I think 2019 is what we're what we're looking at. Um, and he did that in Oakland, by the way. So we're talking about yeah, parks. Exactly. You know, he wasn't phased by Oakland necessarily. I mean, for Marcus Simeon. There's so much to like about what he did. I mean, almost a 90% zone contact percentage this year. Uh, you know, just crush the ball uh, in terms of, uh, you know, hard hit percentage. Um, mm-hmm. I just I just think that this is, is fairly legitimate. Uh, obviously, I think, you know, playing in the parks he played in, in Toronto, in, in, in Florida, in, in Buffalo, uh, helped a little bit. But, like, sure. I don't think that this is like, oh, this is all going to disappear. Um, and, again, I think this is going to be one of those guys where people – People say, "Up, oh, you can't. You're paying for the upside." I don't think you are. Like, I think you're paying for a guy to, you know, if if you were paying for the upside, he'd be going in the first round, and I think he's going to go in the second and third rounds. Yeah, I think so too. And at age 31, uh, I think that will tamp down Simeon's price a bit. Now he does have two 162s out of the last three years. So the, the last two full seasons, of course, 159 the year before that. So his last three full seasons, he plays a lot. He's a he's a horse. Seven hundred plate appearances in, you know, the three full seasons. So yeah, twenty one. That 19, tough 19. part is though, how that like that's not super bankable just because injuries always find a way. It's like it looks solid because he's done it the last three full seasons. That would be the one part that scares me. But I think even if we got a hundred and forty five games, he's. He's a mid twenties and low double digits, uh, mid twenties homers and low double digits speed for Semyon. So I still think, I still think the skills have plenty of upside there, and I, I'd be willing to buy Semyon even I mean, at the high end. If injuries happen, then like that's kind of like there's nothing you can do about that, right? Because I mean, 
2017 was when he got hit in the in the wrist, right? Um, and broke mm-hmm. his hand eight bone. Um, but every other year, he uh, pretty much has played 150 or more games. Of course, not including not including 2020. Um, so like, if he if if he like if people would be like, well, he's getting older. I I'm gonna fade him because he can't play that many games. Like he can play that many games. Like it, it's gonna be something fluky if he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, like, there isn't anything chronic that you should be worried about with regards to Simeon's health. It would have to be something that pops up. Um, And unlike, so after 19, I was a little bit like, okay, he needed all that volume to get to 33 and 10. Well, this is 45 and 15 in 162. So you can bring those numbers down, like I said, with something like a 145 to 150 game allotment. And you're still very much liking that in the second, third round arena for Semyon. So I really like Semyon. Um, he went in the third round of the draft that I did. We'll see how often he goes there. I think he will be a consistent third rounder. You can sneak him into the second if you want. I don't think that's out of pocket to do that. But I think a lot of people are going to be able to get him in the third round. And I like that. Uh, let's jump down a bit, but let's stay at, at his position, second base. Talk about the uh, uh, presumed rookie of the year in the National League. Jonathan India, he quietly put up a great season. Remember, that was Trevor Rogers' award for, you know, the bulk of the season. And frankly, he's still very much a candidate for it. Um, and I wouldn't I wouldn't even, you know, go crazy if he if he won it. But because India has such a great second half and coming down the stretch and it's kind of like a recency bias thing. I think he's getting more attention for it right now. And honestly, who cares about the award? That's not really what we're discussing right now. I just want to discuss his performance. India as a rookie went 21 and 12 with a 269, 376, 459 line. Great plate skills. Uh there was a lot to like from this 24-year-old. When we talk about having a foundation to build on, doesn't strike out too much, walks a ton, a little bit of speed, some pop. What what don't we like here from from India? Is there anything that we have trouble with with India? I don't know. If there's anything I have trouble with. I think there's going to be a little bit of power regression. Like I think he's probably more of a a teens homer uh, home run hitter than a um, than he is like a twenty home run hitter. Uh, but that being said, like okay, so you give back three or four or five home runs. Oh well, like it's yeah. It's it's five category production and what should still be a really good lineup in uh, Cincinnati. I think his his spot is safe. I really like the plate skills. Um, you know, I mean, his swing and strike rate was below nine percent. Uh, you know, eighty seven percent zone contact uh, percentage uh, this year. Uh, he was their Votto. Yeah, you know, they let Votto take a year off from uh, from being Mister Patient because you know Votto said I'm just going to attack and not worry about that so much this year. Had a great year with the power. India kind of assumed that role, big-time walk guy, getting on base uh, and scoring a ton. So that helped That that helped there, too. Don't sleep on that runs production. You talk mm-hmm. about how the homers could go down into, like, the 17, 15 to 18 range. Uh, he could – he'll push triple digits for, for runs next year as long as he plays about 100 in – say 150 games again. That's what he played this year. Anywhere around that, I think he'll be pushing 100 runs. Yeah, I I tend to agree, and like I think that uh, two seventy seems about right for the batting average at two sixty nine mm-hmm. this year. I feel like it was pretty well deserved. Um, Agreed. And so yeah, I don't think we're gonna see uh, like a ton of regression, maybe a tiny bit. Like, I, and I don't think that this is a guy who like has like a huge next level either. Like, I don't think. I don't think he's going to like make you know some big jump or anything, but I think he is a really, really good, solid player. Um, I'll be interested to see where he goes in drafts because yeah, me too. What, I think what do you he think? Has the, I think he has the potential to be overdrafted if people people start going, well, look, look, look what he did this year. Look, he's only twenty four. He can make a huge jump. I don't, I don't see a huge ceiling on India, uh, but I, I see I, a pretty safe floor. I don't necessarily either, but I think it could go the other way where people start pushing back. And I think the two things that would drive that, by the way, he went eighth round in the 15-teamer I did. How, how does that sit with that you? That feels about right. Yeah, I got no problem with that. It was pick 118. It was at the end of the eighth round even. Yeah. Um, 
I think people are going to start citing the average exit velo and the hard hit rate in the 20th and 36th percentiles, respectively, and try to use that against him. By the way, I think we have a bit of a problem with those two stats in particular and a few of the other advanced metrics from uh, from Savant that, that in the fantasy community in terms of if you're not top tier, you're a bad player. Like that, this this binary of like you're either red there on the little uh, on, on the little short, shorthand guide that they have there on Savant, uh, where they show all your little meters. You're if you're not red, you're a bad player. Like that seems to be the reaction. Yeah, and I, I think those, I think that's a problem. I agree. I think I mean they need to be used as tools. Like they're they're parts of the puzzle. They're not the entire picture. Yeah, they're not answers. Especially and, because you look at like his max exit velocity is in the seventy second percentile. Bingo. Took uh, my next. Yeah, right. And his That's barrel exactly percentage is in the sixty first percentile. I care more about those two, in generally, than and I it's do. About average, average exit velo. Well, especially because of what kind of hitter he is. He's not a guy going going up to the plate looking to smash the ball every time. He's exactly. trying to set the table a lot. Um, and just get on base. So, and that that's fine. Like you need players like that. Uh, and this is a guy that, like, you know, if you go and look at some of, like, you go look at like the Phil DeSoe teams that he put together this year. He just didn't have guy. He didn't have a ton of guys who underproduced. Like he had some of these like kind of high floor, low ceiling ceiling guys. And the mm-hmm. obviously he got some monster picks as well. Um, sure. You know, drafted Logan Webb, drafted Carlos Rodon. Those but he was guys. bought back in on Yuli Gurriel. He bought low on on that because mm-hmm. that looked ugly, and it was easy to kind of write that off because of his age. Even though last year was only two months, yeah. it was he was thirty six last. You know, thirty seven coming into this year. Twenty nineteen was a fluke, and he didn't get all the way back there. He didn't hit thirty one homers again. He went fifteen and eighty one, but with a three nineteen average, which led the American League, yeah. and scored eighty three runs in one hundred and forty three games. So you know. The players like that, I, I don't. Looking at Phil's teams, I agree. By the way, I don't think he like goes on the Statcast leaderboards. And by the way, I'm not saying that don't use Statcast, don't look at that. I'm saying, like you said, using them as answers instead of tools. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a 20th percentile exit velo, so you can't take India. Well, no, that's not what that means. Like, and what are you expecting out of him? If you're expecting 35 homers from somebody who has a 20th exit velo, 20th percentile exit velo, sure, you would want to change that. But from a guy like this that we're really only looking for 15-plus dingers, I don't need him to crush it every single time. Sometimes, like you said, he's looking to flick it into mm-hmm. uh, into right field for a base hit with a freaking 20-mile-an-hour exit velo type deal. Uh, obviously not that slow, but you know what I mean. So I-, I like a guy like this. He's a glue type in the middle there. I could see his price dropping from this round eight area too. And if it does, that's when I really start to get interested. So I'm going to keep a close eye on him this year. It can go either way. I think you can get those people that are pushing it the way you're saying, like he's 24, let's overrate him just based on the age. But then you have the other camp that says bad exit below, bad hard hit rate percentile. Let's push him way down and then we'll see where it meets in the middle. And I'll be ready to swoop if it's anywhere. If his round is a double digit round at any point, India, I'm in. I mean, sure. there's an argument to be made that, like, hey, maybe he was getting better as the season went on. I mean, 15 of his 21 home runs came in the second half. Oh, for sure. So I, I think he was. If you watch the at-bats, too, you know, I, I, I watched a lot of Reds games because I, for some reason, like to torture myself and that team <laughs> and their constant underperformance is very maddening. And they're not even, like, my team. It's like, damn, I'm, I'm punishing myself with this. But, yeah, I watched a lot of India at-bats over – the course of the year and his evolution at the dish was super impressive and i talk about this concept a lot about going from patient to passive and back you know where that 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 kind of spectrum there there was some of that passivity earlier where he wanted to take the walk just to kind of get on base and contribute but he wasn't really focused on hitting that was more in may when he hit 220 but still had a 352 on base then he started to come into his own trust himself and india had an excellent second half even more so if you go from june on is when he really took off so yeah bottom line i like him i could pay this eighth round this late eighth round price but if it dips below that i'm i'm even more in obviously yeah 
All right, let's move on to Willie Adamas, another guy we've talked a lot about, so we won't go too crazy on him, and we'll go with more of a forward look. Um, it was pretty clear early on that his reason for the troubles that he had with Tampa Bay, citing the ballpark and his vision at Tropicana, was completely legit. It was not an excuse. It really broke down on a home-road split situation where he was dreadful at home and a legit upper-tier all-star on the road. So he goes to Milwaukee, doesn't have to worry about uh, doesn't have to worry about his home ballpark being a detriment to him anymore. And he was a full blown all star from that point forward. He ends up posting an 886 OPS with the uh, Brewers, which I believe is very close to, if not a direct match of his road numbers with the Rays. I, I, I don't have those handy, but I know it's it's pretty close to that. It was like an 880 uh, range there. So he ends up being, you know, sometimes we do that. Uh, like with Colorado guys, we're saying, oh, they're going to be this road, the road guy now that they're out of Colorado. And that never really comes to fruition. But this was an instance where he was just the road guy that he was with Tampa Bay for the whole year. What does he do for an encore, though? Ends up with uh, 20 homers in 99 games with the Brewers, four steals and six attempts. Not a huge speed guy, going to be one of those contribution guys that gives you kind of four to ten range i know that's a wide range but that's kind of what it's going to be with with somebody like adamas but looks like he could be a power producer in the middle of the lineup by the way they need him to turn it up today for darn sure but where do you have adamas for next year after this breakthrough with the brewers that's an interesting question um there was a little bit of a power outage at the end of the season has mm-hmm. me a little bit concerned um I wonder if that has to do with like so many road games at the end of the year, or maybe he's just tiring out a little bit. But I think there was a, a lot of fatigue across the league uh, for people that played all year because of playing six months again. Yeah. So I, I'm reluctant to crush him for it. Yeah, because, I mean, it only four home runs, didn't steal a base over his last 101 plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from middle of uh, August on. So a little concern there, but ultimately I really like Adamas and uh, he was a guy I had, uh, I, I kind of been targeting year after year after year uh, and it finally came through uh, in, in, in 2021. So, um, you know, 79% zone contact percentage. Uh, it's a little bit below league average, but uh, that's okay. The, you know, swings outside of the zone 30% of the time. So the 28% strikeout rate is probably pretty legitimate. Um, love the fact that the walk rate has steadily risen each year over the last three seasons. Um, and Milwaukee seems to really like him, plays good defense. Uh, so, yeah, I think he's a guy that is going to figure somewhere in my top ten at shortstop, but shortstop is so deep. It um, remains deep as heck, yep. That, like, he's he's not going to, like, jump up into, like, my top, like, three, four, five rounds. I think there, uh, and I, I'm fine with that, by the way. I, I don't think you need to do that at all. You can pay double-digit round for him. He went 11th in the draft that I did. Yeah, I think he'll good. live in the 8 to 12 range. I'll pay any of that, to be honest. I'd pay as high as the 8th round, right around where India went. Uh, but you don't, you probably not aren't, aren't going to have to, especially with the finish, like you said. I will say, I see some strikeout upside, and he started to show that with Milwaukee at 25% after posting a 36% with Tampa Bay. I think as the power, you know, as he realizes his own power and the league does, they'll start pitching him more carefully, and he'll start to be more patient too and realize, okay, I can't go fishing all the time. They know I'm good now. And I think mm-hmm. that's a transition that maybe started at the end of the year here where he was flailing a little bit, trying to get those pitches that he was getting earlier when they didn't respect him. Now they do. And you have to, you have to make that adjustment because now when the league respects you, they're going to pitch you differently. So I still see some, some good settling here uh, to where there's 30 Homer plus upside with Adamus, I think. It might be one of those, you know, the old standard growth isn't linear type deals where he kind of plateaus in 22 and then jumps forward in 23. But I'm still willing to bet on it for 22 because the price is fair. Because even if he only goes 2580 with like a 255 average, if you buy that in the 10th round, you're not that pissed about that. Like, yeah, that's and fun. with a handful of stolen bases too. Like yeah, he- yeah. Th- throw in six, five, six SBs. Cool. And a bunch of runs because I, I think Milwaukee, despite what their playoff performance is showing right now, I think their offense will be good next year because they're going to spend the offseason uh, addressing it for sure, especially if they get 
essentially swept out. I know they won the first game, but uh, if they put up like one or zero runs today and then they get basically uh, three games in a row murked where they score a combined one run, I think the offense will be the big focus in the offseason. So I like Adamas quite a bit. He bats number two in that lineup. So if they do improve it, that would be good for his runs and ratio. Imagine uh, if they had been aggressive at the trade deadline and gotten more than Roddy Telez and Eduardo Escobar. I hear you, but I thought I thought what they had was was good. Like you're not replacing Yelich, you're not replacing Avi, um, you're not really replacing Kane either. So there's no outfield avenues. Where, where were they really improved? First, first could have been like who was who was a big first baseman out there? They went with the Telez. They could have. Uh, I mean, I don't know if the Cubs would have traded in, in division, but um, you know, if the price was right, I think they would have. They Chris know it Bryant would have looked really, year. really good in Milwaukee. That would have been hot. Yeah. Even I thought we were suggesting Rizzo, but yeah, Bryant yeah, would have Rizzo been. too. Rizzo wouldn't have been a bad a bad one, but yeah, uh, I'm thinking like Bryant, guy you can you know move around a little bit too, you know. And I know he ended up re-signing with the Tigers, and so that was moot. Maybe that's why they weren't even talking about trading him. But Scope, and I know he had a bad sample there for 46 games, so Brewers fans are probably like, no. But, you know, you're not judging him off of a 46-game sample. They could have brought somebody like that back, too. Uh, maybe not him specifically because, again, he re-signed with the Tigers, but we didn't know that at the deadline time, somebody in that vein. So I don't know. We'll see what they do. But either way, I'm I'm big on Adamus. I believe in the changes. I believe there's even some upside, even if it doesn't exactly manifest in 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me check time here. We got we got enough for these last two here because uh, we are on a hard out for you with the uh, with children's birthday. Let's talk Ty France. Uh, we're jumping down a level here. But he – very quietly had an excellent season. If you didn't have him on a team uh, or you didn't really follow Se- Seattle, I don't know if you understood how great of a season he had, especially because he was dealing with a wrist issue for a big part of it. And instead of taking the time off uh, that he probably needed to, he just grinded his way through. I think he had a one IL stint, but push cut. Like, honestly, he probably should have had like a one month off situation, but he grinded through it, had that disastrous May. But from June forward, he was a beast for them and a big reason why they succeeded. 18 homers, 73 ribbies, 85 runs, 291 average. That's where I really liked uh, France this year was was potentially improving his average. He just strikes me as one of those one of those quality hitters. Again, you watch him, and I know that term professional hitter. Some people mock it because like they're all professional hitters. Yes, I I understand the mocking tone for that, but we also know what people mean when they say that right when they say oh that was that was a professional piece of hitting or he's a professional hitter means they give quality at bats every time they don't give anything away they make a lot of contact usually they usually take a a decent number of walks he's only a seven percent guy but when when it's with a 16 percent strikeout rate that's really good for ty france is there more from the 27 year he'll be 27 next year is there more from him or was this a peak season for france who um I think yes and no. Um, okay, Ex- expound. I, so, do I think this is in some ways a peak season? Yes. Like I don't expect him to like be a guy who hits two ninety or three hundred like he did in, in, in twenty twenty uh, on a regular basis next year. Even though I mean, like, what the underlying skills are really impressive. Yeah, um, I like the projection having him around the mid two seventies. I think I yeah. agree with that. Start there, and then you can. You, you can still see 290 in the picture. But I do think there is uh, some power in this bat. Like, I think 18 home runs, I think the wrist issue definitely saps some of that power uh, mm-hmm. away from him. Uh, and so I think that we could probably push him into kind of the, the low to mid-20s next year. And um, I think there's a 30 upside for Ty France. Really? I don't see that. Why not? I... I it's one of those words. It, it, it would take development. I don't have a number on his profile here that I can point you to to say it. It's more of believing in the player with this foundation of skills that finds that improvement step that helps him dial into more power. And I really believe that he can do that. He got a good, uh, good, good max ex- exit velo. You know, similar to India, but but more developed. Where you're going to look at the ex- average exit velo and the hard hit and be like, eh tepid but max exit below is there showing that he has the capability to to reach the upper heights 
with his power when he gets there. It would take some development for sure, and I don't know exactly where that comes, whether it's an it, approach I mean, it would, tweak. It would, yeah, it would have to come in a swing tweak. I mean, it's the, yeah. la the launch angle has to raise. You know, because he, right now he's got like almost 46% ground ball percentage, 11 uh, degree uh, launch angle. Like that would have to change for him. Because like, I agree with you. Like I think he has some some velocity behind his swing. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the max exit velocity of 111 is impressive. I but, feel like we see guys make those changes a lot though, right? Yeah, I just worry that like if he does, if he goes to make that change, can he keep the velocity gains at the or, same time? Um, or I, I'd want sorry, to see, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to see him start pulling the ball again. Like one of the things like he stopped doing this year uh, was pulling the ball so much. He tried to use all fields. And I think was that, that the wrist? It may have been the wrist. It may just have been approach change, though, too. True, true. You know, you know, he was trying to get on base. He was trying to hit for average. Um, mm -hmm. and, it worked. And it worked. And so will... Uh, you know, will the Mariners or will he want to do, you know, go kind of revert back? So I think there's a lot of questions. The thing is, I don't think he's going to be expensive. And I think exactly. this is one of those gambles you can make that's not going to cost very much because I, I think he's going to be going outside the top 220, 250 picks. Um, and uh, that I think that's a worthy gamble, especially because. Uh, he's going to be eligible at first and second uh, the, the, this next year, which means he could play middle or corner. Yeah, and I, I like that for France as well. And I agree with you on on the price, which is why you know I'm not projecting 30 homers. I, w I would put it as like that's a bold prediction type of thing. That's like it's in the cards, but it absolutely takes changes that are not clear in the profile right now. I just think with the foundation that he has, he's one of those guys that could take a big power jump, and we would we would be surprised by it because you know somebody jumping into 30 plus homers with a max uh, of 18 previously we would be like, whoa, that's crazy. Um, but I also don't think it's that surprising. And what I'm trying to do a bit more going into 22 is I, I, I want to be careful when I say this too because I'm not like drafting off of these upsides or anything like that. But I'm trying to entertain what is the real upside and, and, and real downside of players that isn't just injury based on the downside or isn't just a pipe dream on the upside end. Like what, mm -hmm. what do their skills really have that they could possibly reach because we see so many different breakouts and so many of them were like oh i didn't see that coming but then you dig in and you kind of you kind of reverse engineer and you're like well i maybe could have seen that at least as far as a high end and again i go back to the tyler o'neill thing i was so buried in in what he'd done in those three samples i wasn't giving any credit for the improvement plus i have a big gap with uh, strikeout guys. I, I need to get better about understanding that, yes, strikeouts are bad uh, at, at a certain rate, and Tyler O'Neill has one of those rates, but they do not preclude you from being a good player. They add volatility and risk to a profile, but they do not eliminate success from that profile. So anyway, pardon the tangent there. I like France. He went the last pick of the 10th round in this draft, so pick 150, but oh, I think you're 80... Yeah, I think your ADP is going to be more of where he lives. Yeah. I don't, I don't see him going over Willie Adamas, who actually went the very next pick, or even like a Chris Taylor, who went in that uh, that eleventh yeah, round. If, he, if he's going in the top, even if he's going in the top twelve rounds, that's a mistake. I think. Um, I, I think he he, but he he's definitely a guy that I want to kind of watch the news on him. Like he's he's one of the guys like that I really want to see like. Is he going to make kind of a swing change, an approach change, um, and uh, or you know does he or say, is he happy being fifteen to twenty but hitting two eighty? Or does he say, hey, you know what? Because of my wrist, I couldn't do this, but now yeah. that I'm healthy, I'm going to try. Like you know, yeah, yep. um, I think there's upside here though, mm -hmm. and that that's another thing I'm I'm trying to focus on for 2022 is you don't have to be under age 25 to have upside which i yeah. think we we do a lot in the fantasy community like if you if you are of a certain age you no longer have upside by according to so many people and that's just not really how it works i can't remember uh, what podcast i was talking about it on but like um uh, i think i was on uh eric smolsky's uh podcast uh, the catcher's okay. corner really good podcast go check it out um and uh, I was talking about how, like, Phil, in, in his main event teams, and not just the one he won the overall with, but all of his main event teams, 
you look at like where he got all of like this surplus production and it was a bunch of old guys at the end. Yes. Like it wasn't yes. like like there were a couple like hey, you know, like I said Logan Webb like was a big guy, Carl, you know, but it was like That was a breakout it, guy, yeah. It was like the 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 Guriels and these guys like that. We, Robbie Ray. Yeah, Robbie like, Ray. I mean Ro- like mm-hmm. you know, and he 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 doesn't he's not going around saying I knew Robbie Ray was going to be a G. He said guaranteed strikeouts high win probability i'll figure out the rest because based on the price you could take the ratio damage and just eat the strikeouts you know get the good strikeouts in the the win probability and of course he spiked the cy young capable season he knows that that is the 100th percentile outcome but he understood that there was some upside in a 29 year old with an established track record because he did some good things namely missed a shit ton of bats i think i think 2021 teaches us what the death the, the there's there should be a change in what the fantasy com, uh, industry considers upside um, yes. and sometimes like upside is not just about like ooh this guy's young yeah um, and he hasn't done anything yet yeah. no there's upside in veterans Kyle Gibson uh, is a great example of a guy this year where like you know people avoided him because he wasn't flashy at the end but if you drafted mm-hmm. Kyle Gibson like you got a lot of extra upside and and there was reason to buy in, putting aside mm-hmm. the memes and how much I like to uh, to rag on him. If I ever met him, I'd have to like just apologize and be like, "What do you apologize for?" I'm sorry, I actually uh, I, I really clown nice on guy. you yeah. constantly. I would never be mean to him in real life, though. It's all for the meme. But yeah, you could say, "What are you buying?" Okay, I'm buying guaranteed innings and volume late is valuable. Um, he was coming off a 535 ERA with with skills that didn't really speak to much of anything else from 2020. But I hope we also all all learned how little 2020 meant after seeing a full season, after seeing three sets of two months. So basically three 2020s. I hope we all realized how much we overvalued that quote unquote season because mm-hmm. there was so much of that. But anyway, you go in and you say. I'm buying volume here with with Kyle Gibson. He has had quality seasons before. If he doesn't have those, I can. If, if he's not looking like he's going toward one of those, I can cut him. Now the tough part is how many people drafted him and cut him right after he got blasted mm-hmm. by KC in the first because that's also a start that you would have definitely used him for at KC. He goes a third of an inning, five runs, guarantee a huge portion of the people that drafted Kyle Gibson cut him after that first start, yep. which is tough. But uh, anyway, our last hitter here, that, that was wrapping up on um, – who was that last guy we are talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah Ty France. Ty mm-hmm. But our last guy here is Brian Reynolds, former Giant, who I believe you bought in on the 2019 breakout. Yep. And then accidental segue, speaking of how little 2020 meant, I, I truly – I don't think this is just hindsight. It was easy to see that he would be a bounce-back candidate. Yeah. He should have been – Heavily touted as the easiest bounce back, and because his price was so cheap, not that anybody had to see 24 homers and 90 ribbies coming, you could say he will repeat 2019 with a 270 average. He hit 314 in 2019, but he's going to go 16, 3, 270, and he still would have been an automatic buy, and yet I didn't do that, and I didn't hear very many people touting the rebound of, of Brian Reynolds. But you look at his 2020 profile, and it was so obvious that small sample got him because even the strikeout rate did not come with a, a swinging strike rate jump. That even looked fluky. This was all there, and a lot of people did not jump on it. What did you think of Brian, Brian Reynolds' rebirth and new level that he set, and what can he do for an encore in 2022? I mean – I push back that this is a new level. I think he 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 just repeated what he did in twenty. Or just a completion of 2020, 2019 because he played twenty five more games. games. That's yeah. fair. Yeah, I mean that's he, completely fair. He made he made a, you know some minor gains. You know, he, no, he you're raised right. the walk you're right. rate, lowered the strikeout rate, but I mean he just repeated what he did in twenty nineteen, which makes me feel like it's very legitimate. Uh, you know, I mean eighty eight percent zone contact percentage. That's amazing. Um, you know, the the part that sucks is he plays in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even in Pittsburgh, a 93-90 runs an RBI season. See, like, it can even be done on a garbage team if you're as good as he is. Now, 
Do they consider moving him in the offseason? I mean, they still have him for a long time, they so they could get him in. 2026. But they could uh, get him in. He's going to be 27 next year. Maybe this yeah. is a good sell-high moment for Brian Reynolds, acknowledging that he is very good, but then they're going to get a solid return. Maybe they can um, Chris Archer they somebody should. a little bit. They should. They absolutely should. They should find a team in dire need of a center fielder, uh, you know, maybe like the Yankees. Um and get two top level prospects. Yeah, you know, a team that like has just a plethora of prospects. Yeah, I think the Yankees come to mind as a team that would make a lot of sense. Um maybe the Astros come, but I, yeah. I don't know if the Astros want to give up anything. Uh they, they seem like a team always reluctant to trade from their minor league depth. Well, um, especially with regards to the fact that they've lost those four picks. And I know everyone thinks that they didn't have any hit when they got caught for the cheating, but losing two firsts, two seconds, those mm-hmm. four players, that's a dent. That yeah. is a real, and I'm not here to justify them or anything. They cheated. They got caught. They deserve heat. Um, but they did get a punishment and maybe it would make them reluctant to do a deal like the, uh, a Reynolds deal, but let's just say he stays. Let's not go rosy here and let's, let's go the negative side that, cause it would be pretty negative if he stays. Cause that's not a great team. Can he overcome it again? Can he go 90-90 again? Or where would you project him, I guess, is the Maybe 90-70. Okay, uh, with 70 ribbies, yeah? Yeah. With, Although, you know, didn't he start to move down in the order? Or am I, am I crazy on that? I feel like he started to hit third. Cause, could he maybe then go 70-90 if he's hitting maybe. more middle? Yeah, he hit third for 142 games. And, I mean, that lineup is going to get better. You know, O'Neill Cruz is going to be there. Uh, you know, they'll have Can't Hayes. get worse. Uh, they'll have uh, haze for the full season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, yeah, I mean, maybe they bring in some guys. Like, you they'll know, they'll have like, Sutsugo for the full year. I kind of mm-hmm. like Sutsugo. Maybe I'm maybe I'm overrating him, but I, I like him. I think he could be. Wait, why is he not on their roster? Did he get hurt to end the year? Or is he? He's not showing on their roster. Anyway, I'll figure that out. But yeah, they could have other. Like, they actually have a good farm system in Pittsburgh. It's going to start. <laughs> coming up to the majors it's pretty young right now but they're going to start uh, uh putting some better players on the field just from their minor leagues and that'll be huge yeah i i, I think that you know cole tucker started to show something at the end of last season so i, I think they're um i think i mean it's definitely not gonna be a good team it's gonna be one of the worst yeah, teams yeah, yeah. In baseball, we're, not, but, we're not hyping them or anything um oh he's a free agent suit sugo is so oh, I didn't that's that's why Sutsugo's that's why free agent. um either way uh i think he uh yeah, I think he could easily repeat kind of what he did. You know, low twenties homers, three hundred batting average. You know, this is Brian Reynolds, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Brian Reynolds. Yeah, maybe maybe he's like an eighty eighty kind of runs an RBI guy. I, I think that's fine because I don't think he's gonna get overdrafted. Yeah, like, what? Where do you think he goes? Oh, we'll wrap up with this because you got to go in about it, two minutes. So, where do you think he goes? Eight, nine, tenth round, something like that. He nailed it. He was an eighth rounder, yeah. and I got no problem paying that. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. You know, he, he gives you something that is very, very difficult, which is batting average. Yes, and you don't usually get that later. Yep. And what, now that it comes with a little pop, I almost think he's a bargain in the eighth round, like to be honest. kind of like prime uh, David Peralta. That, yeah, that's a great call. Unfortunately, his prime didn't last long. Well, he was a late bloomer in, in the mm-hmm. first place. And Reynolds is a little bit of a late bloomer, but not as late as as David Peralta was. So he's only going to be 27 next year. And I think he can do another one of these, you know, uh, 18 to 24 homers. Again, that's a wide range, but I think that's where he'll be. 80-80 uh, and, and 280. That's the projection I give. And then I got upside in that. Yeah. And eighth round, I'm doing that all day, even on Pittsburgh, because he'll bat in the top three of the order, and as long as he's healthy, he'll play another 159. Absolutely. So I like Brian Reynolds. Uh, yeah, there's not really anybody on this list, and this was actually incidental that I don't like. And I, I usually you don't want to buy the the hot the hot ticket items from the previous year because you're paying a premium. But we just went through all these, and I'm not too scared of paying for any of them because the guys that are most expensive, I think are believable. And then the other guys that are, uh, you know, mid round priced, I think that kind of covers you in case they, they regress severely. And I don't know if you noticed this at all. Um, I'm sure you didn't, but your odd number guys are all like my guys. 
I've, I'm a huge Cedric Mullins guy. I'm oh, yeah. Simeon guy. I'm a huge Adamus guy. huge Brian Reynolds guy. So. That, that was incidental. Cause, well, I'd have to be the O'Neill India mm -hmm. France, France guy. Yeah. But I also really like Adamus. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it was close there to splitting those up. But that was definitely incidental. But, yeah, this is a good group here. Don't be afraid to buy in on the big breakout from the previous year. Just be smart about it and understand what you're paying. There should not be any universals of I will never pay for that or I will mm -hmm. always do this, I will always do that. It's always dependent. Yeah. And hopefully we give you some insight on these guys to let you know how viable they are and you can feel comfortable buying them if that's uh, if that's what you so choose. But hey, you got a birthday to celebrate, so I go do. get out there and do that. Our next pod will be live in Arizona. This will be true. And I'll be streaming it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash sport, as long as the you know, Wi-Fi and everything holds up, which it has the last two times we've done this. And then, of course, it'll be on the feed as normal. That's Saturday night. They spread them out, so I'm not exactly Ours sure. Ours is Saturday night, yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. So, yeah, well, we'll be doing that. But uh, until then, I'll, I can honestly say I will see you in two days. Looking forward to it, buddy. Peace. Bye.